everybody. This episode of All Have Another Podcast is brought to you by Strava, the social media app for runners, cyclists, fitness enthusiasts. You can track your running, your cross training, and everything in between. Grab your phone right now and download the app. It's free and find me. I'm Lindsay Hine over there. It's so fun to follow your friends training and hold yourself accountable over there on Strava. So check it out. Thank you so much Strava for supporting this episode of All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. Today you guys are listening to episode 115 and I had the honor of talking with Krista DeShane for this episode. You guys may remember Krista was on the show back in November of 2017, and she just placed third at the Boston Marathon. Krista has an inspiring story, and she's the mom of three. She's 41 years old, went into this race hoping to place as a master's runner and secured third place. Krista is from Canada. She is an Olympian and holds a marathon PR of 228. However, this training cycle she was training for somewhere between a 2.30 and 2.40. In this episode, we talk about all the factors that played into her having a successful race on Saturday. And if you haven't listened to her first episode with me, go back and listen to episode 91 and get to know Krista a little bit more. She's truly an amazing woman, and I respect her, admire her, and I so look up to her. Kind of wish she lived down the street for me and we could be buddies. I'm so honored that she took the time to chat with me once again so quickly after Boston. Congratulations, Krista. We are all so happy for you. Hey, if you guys are new to the show, I just want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for checking it out and welcome. I hope you find something that you love here. I hope that you take a bit of inspiration from my conversation with Krista. So thanks for being here today and let's go ahead and enjoy this conversation with Krista DeShane. All right. I'm so excited, you guys. I'm talking with Krista DeShane today, who placed third at the Boston Marathon on Monday. Welcome back to the show, Krista. Thanks for having me. I am telling you what, I am so excited for you, and I got to see you run down Boylston on Monday. <laughs> yeah, you know, I my emotions are all over the place. I think I keep shaking my head in disbelief shedding a tear, and then smiling and saying, I can't believe it. So for those listening, Krista was back. Um, we recorded episode 91 together. And just so everybody knows, she's the mom of three. She's 41. She's a Canadian. She's an Olympian. Um, and, the, you know, you went into the Boston Marathon thinking, I want to place top three in Masters. Yes, that was my goal. <laughs> so kind of... Talk to me a little bit about how this all unfolded for you on race day. So, yeah, going into the race weekend, we knew it was going to be rainy. And so I was just sticking with my plan. I knew I was in good shape to be strong and not fast. And that was fine. My goal time was like a big window of 2.30 to 2.40. So that was pretty safe. I knew I wasn't anywhere near the low 2.30s, but was hoping to be under 2.40. And uh, my plan was to just... Um, be um, cautious and just um, run according to my feel of my fitness and not really pay attention to my watch. And then um, consider the race start to be at 25K, which is when the hills start. 
So that's what the plan was. And then because the conditions were so poor, I obviously, you know, succeeded and um, it worked to my advantage because there were so many elite that elites that dropped out or really slowed down. And I mean, it's just crazy to look back at what happened in those last seven K and to just actually realize how it unfolded. Yeah. So you, I mean, we were watching on TV and you, all the elite pack, you guys kind of all started together. When did you let that lead group let, let you go? Yeah. So there was a pretty big group. I mean, it could have been the whole elite field as far as I know with, which was probably about maybe close to 40 people. Um, but it, it made sense to stay with them because the first kilometer was four minutes, <laughs> but I forget at one point, I just kind of let them go ahead because I thought I don't want to get caught up in these surges and mind games and, you know, all these tactics and everyone's strategies. I just thought I'm doing my own thing. So I was back a bit. I think I was the first person right behind the lead pack. And I was hoping that some would break off and that we would create a smaller chase pack. And it it didn't happen. I pretty much ran the whole race on my own, which is fine. I'm used to that. But they were pretty much always in sight because even though with the the rain and the wind, um, and the visibility sometimes being poor, I could still see the lights on the the motorcycles and the lead trucks that go beside. So at one point I almost caught up to the lead pack and I, Shalane was right in front of me when she, you know, jumped out of the porta potty and um, yeah, but I, I just basically focused on, on my race. And then I was hoping that after I was, you know, strong on the Hills, then I could start, you know, checking off one woman at a time. And that just happened so quick in the very end. Did you see the bathroom incident where then, you know, everybody's talking about how Des kind of waited up for Shalane. Did you see all that go down? I only saw Shalane, um, running like to and from the porta potty. I didn't, I couldn't see Des. I, I, I didn't really notice that. So at what point did you realize, um, I have a chance of like, I mean, not just placing in masters, but you know, being top 10, being top five, being top three, like, did you ever actually think that was a possibility? Cause I know when you finished, you had no idea you were in third place. Right. Um, yeah. So basically what happened was I thought that the lead pack was ahead of me and was probably kind of dispersed. And then what happened was I, you know, I passed um, a few women and then I saw one drop out. Um, so I was thinking, okay, if I was about 15th, maybe I'm about 11th. And then the two American women um, passed me, one of them being Sarah, who was second. And I was like, whoa, hey, I, I've got more to give. They're going pretty strong. I can keep up with that. I'm not really pushing that hard. I was just kind of flowing with it. So I thought I got to go after these two. So then I saw them like pumping their fists and stuff. And I'm like, why are they celebrating? This is kind of strange. So anyways, sure, sure enough, I realized why they passed Molly. And so I passed Molly and then someone said, Shalane is straight ahead. I passed her and Edna Kiplagat and another African. And I just was like praying, God, help me get those two, one of those or two of those Americans up there. And, um, so I guess that that point maybe I thought I was top 10 but it happened so fast that you just can't do the math so quickly and then the lead mail was coming so there was the the media trucks and the motorcycle and the honking and then the weather was crazy and the crowds were screaming and it, I almost had this out-of-body experience where I just kept 
pushing and, and running and, and, you know, kind of listening to my body. And then, um, yeah, I passed the, the one American girl and then crossed the line. And so right away, the volunteers are so good. They look after you. And I asked the, the man, Mark, um, I said, do you know how I placed? And his phone wasn't working, but he's like, Oh, I think you were third or fourth. I said, no, 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 no. Like not, <laughs> not, not overall. I said like, yeah, maybe top masters, but do you know how I placed overall? And he's like, yeah, I think third or fourth, but it wasn't until I completely recovered, um, and stopped shaking, got warm clothes on that. I saw it on Dan's phone, Dan Lilo, the, the, um, Eric's agent that I saw in writing to believe it. And even my husband didn't know, like he came into recovery and I said, they're telling me I was third, you know, like they were lying to me and he just shrugged his shoulders. Cause he, he didn't know. That is insane. I, you know, <laughs> When you passed me, so I was on Boylston uh, right after the turn, right when you get on Boylston, probably like, I don't know, 100 meters or something. And, you know, we were all confused because we saw Des run by. And then a few minutes later, we see Sarah. And then we, I saw you. And I, I feel like you were with like three other girls and you were kind of packed up right behind them. Were you with that many people? Um, I, I think... I think the last person I passed was the other American, but I, I don't even remember. Um, like I knew that Sarah was still ahead. So, I mean, I, if there was more in the race, I had more to give. Like I felt, I mean, I, I was, you know, we all experienced a uh, kind of hypothermia after, but I mean, I felt really good. So I know I even had more after that. Now I have no regrets. I'm not looking back and thinking, Oh, I maybe could have beat Sarah. Like, I mean, it was incredible what happened, but I'm not really sure. Like, I know someone said that in my last, I don't know how many people I passed, but I think I was 10th with 35K at the 35K mark. Wow. And then I'm not sure after that what happened. That's a lot of people to pass in the last, like, 7K. If you were 10th and 35K. Yeah. Well, when I saw you, I thought you were right behind two girls because I did a I did a double take and I said, I think that's Krista Duchesne because I wasn't <laughs> expecting to see you that high of a place just based on your pre-race interviews and everything, you know. Um, right. And then we were tracking on our phones, you know, like the elite runners. And my friend Ashley said, Krista got third. So you <sighs> like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she moved up even more. And it was just like it was cool because I feel like I kind of knew you a little bit from our interview. Oh, yeah, for and sure. I was so happy for you and I was just picturing what you must have been thinking, you know, in that post-race, like, euphoria, knowing that you just placed third place in the Boston Marathon. Well, the, the crazy thing, and you can appreciate this as a mom, when we had our third child, I I was shaking as well because we know that labor and delivery is a whole other story. But um, <laughs> so when she was born, cause it happened really fast the way she was born. And in fact, when I went to the hospital and I was like screaming in pain and everything, some of the nurses are like, Oh, is this her first? And my midwife said, no, it's her third. <laughs> but anyways, when Leah was born, I didn't believe she was a girl. And I mean, I was looking at her body. You can see if she's a girl or not, but I just kept asking him like, are you sure? Like, I can't believe it. So it was it was like I was reliving that moment of shaking and in shock, like physically in shock and emotionally in shock, where it was like, are you sure I was third? And it was written on the board across the room, like beside the media room, and someone pointed it out. And it's like, I'm not believing what someone's written on some board with a Sharpie pen. I've got to see this in <laughs> writing to believe it. 
Well, and that you say that because you had two boys before your daughter. So you were like, right. I have, I have three boys myself. And so every time I have another baby, I'm just expecting it to be another boy. So I can imagine (laughs) those feelings, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Well, you trained in Canada, obviously. And, um, you know, I've thought about this a lot, like all the factors that played into you doing so well place-wise at this race. And I mean, do you think training in Canada and the adverse conditions, being 41, having all of those years of experience, um, being a mother, I mean, do, do you think all of those things played into your success? Oh, definitely. I, I'm not naive to think that on a good day I could beat these top women in the world. I think they said it was the fastest field ever assembled. So I know going into it on a good day, you know, I, I would have been happy with top 15 and top three masters, but definitely, um, just my type of style and, you know, my character as a person in terms of, you know, getting through the tough times of life and just never stopping and and trusting your training that definitely played to my advantage. And yeah, our Canadian winters are brutal. Now I actually do my, a lot of my hard long workouts on the treadmill, believe it or not. So that helped me gain my fitness, but it's just those normal long, um, runs out with friends where the the weather's miserable, but you deal with it. That's just the way it is. You get the job done. And that's all we know here. I mean, we certainly have good weather once in a while in Canada, but our winters can be pretty awful. And our spring was also, um, quite cold. So going to Boston and, and with the weather, it's not like we had a warm spring and then we had this awful day in Boston. It was, well, our weather's not that much better at home. In fact, we had a huge ice storm when we were gone. So our kids weren't even at school and everything was canceled. And <laughs> here I am in Boston living like I was in Canada. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you do your hard uh, training, run, your hard workouts on the treadmill. I actually enjoy doing hard workouts on treadmill because I just feel like I can control things more. Um, is that pretty... Um, does it seem like a lot of elite runners do that? Is that because you can't get to that speed you want to get to in the weather that you're living in? Uh, for me, it's more so because that's what I'm so used to with all the years of, of training I've done. And it started when um, I returned to the gym after having our first child where um, the daycare, you couldn't leave the grounds because of, you know, just insurance. If anything happened, they had to be able to get you. So I did a lot of treadmill running for that reason. And um, there were times that I would get off like a minute before the childcare hours (laughs) ended and walk down the hall, all sweaty and picking up my kids and then showering when I got home. But um, that I think is where I I'm strong and, and benefit from gaining fitness with, with the treadmill. And it's, it's just what I'm used to, but then it's, it's all those other normal days of being outside where it's windy and rainy and cold that you, you, you build your strength. And the thing with Boston is we had wind and rain and cold. Usually you have one of the three and rarely do you have the perfect day with nothing. So it was kind of like the extreme opposite Man, that's so cool to hear, you know, just coming from you because I'm a mom of three and I use the gym childcare all the time. And it's, it's cool to hear someone who is an Olympian with a 228 marathon PR, um, who just placed third at Boston, you know, who actually like went, goes through and went through the similar kind of everyday circumstances that I go through when I'm training for my like 310 marathon, you know? Yeah. And you know, that's what. I, one of the things I really like about this is that, you know, I, I don't necessarily 
look up to other athletes that I know are running like low two twenties. Like that's, that's just, I mean, Hey, anything can happen. I guess, look at, I got third in the Boston marathon, but you know, that's not what I'm at in, in for this. So when I get messages from moms who say, you know, you've encouraged me to get out and to do something and your kids are going to be okay when someone cares for them and set some goals. And, you know, I'm a dietitian, so I work a lot with moms who are trying to get back to their pre-pregnancy weight. And it's about enjoying the process and giving yourself time and, you know, appreciating what your body can do for you, whether you're, you're breastfeeding or you're having a baby. And, and so I, I really like that, that I can inspire other moms and, you know, other parents that they can still kind of juggle a few balls in the air, but also realize that, you know, I've had my hardships. I've had my tough times where I collapsed at the world championships and and those races that don't work out London last year, I had stomach issues and ran 243. And I think I was the very last of the elite field. So, you know, I've, I've been there. And so it's, I'm happy to encourage others because it's a roller coaster. Yeah. And so I was reading an article, I think it must have been a Canadian media piece that uh, before the race, they interviewed you and a couple of the the male Olympians that were there with you from Canada. And you said you would never start the race with Des and Shalane because they're way beyond you. And and then, you know, kind of like they had so much more on the line on that day just because of the the field. So did you feel like, you know, you obviously knew when you were passing Shalane that it was Shalane Flanagan. And you knew when you were passing Edna Kiplagat that it was Edna Kiplagat. Were you thinking, did something go wrong with their race? Like, am I just, like, having the best day ever? What were you thinking as you passed these runners who you kind of assumed that you weren't really in the same league as them on that day? Yes. I mean, I think I, I saw one of Shalane's interviews and she said that at one point she thought she was leading and her brain just wasn't functioning properly. And I think all of us probably agree to some point that the ending was just so crazy that we didn't know what was happening. We were just like characters in the story. But, um, you know, passing them, I realized that it wasn't it wasn't the day for them, but it was the day for me. So, um yeah, I don't want to say it's an honor to beat them because, um, you know, you don't want to be happy because someone had a bad day. But I'm, I'm happy because it was it worked for me. It worked to my advantage. My race plan, I executed it perfectly. And with those conditions, I, I took it for for what it was and, and knew that it was my time to shine. Yeah, it really seems like that goal you had, 230 to 240, um, not focused on speed, but focused on strength. Like, it really seems like there was no better day for that to be a plan, you know? Oh, for sure. And, you know, before this, I, I felt in the last couple of years like I was really a slave to my watch and to times and to goals and to minutes and tracking this and that. And this time, like, my coach just, um, you know, I really have learned with him since I've been with him in the last year and a half to go by feel, go by what your body's telling you. And, yeah, it was a perfect day where there was no sense to even wear a watch. I mean, I looked at it because it's just kind of kind of gives you something to do. <laughs> but um, it was definitely that day where you just – you trust your training. And, you know, I, I did probably – close to nine runs of at least 35k plus and so you know the distance of 42 wasn't daunting and I was on those hills I would do a workout and then finish with like a cool down by doing hills because that's the way it was and and I knew I wasn't going to let the race start mentally until 25k so you also mentioned you did one full rest day your training cycle and that's I mean typically 
people at your level are running pretty much every day, twice a day, a lot of days. Is it age? Is that why you decided like my body needs more recovery or is it just like, you know, in our last interview, you talked about how if you trained for another marathon, you were going to kind of not give it the seat that it had in your life before because you wanted to spend more time with your family. Um, Why did you decide to do that one rest day a week? Yeah, I think maybe age has something to do with it. And my whole approach to aging with, with marathoning is to do it gracefully and, and kind of steadily. So it's not like, Oh, I'm 40, everything changes. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's a steady process. So, um, it just kind of worked out in the beginning that I was taking one day rest day a week and I was feeling good. So I just thought I'm going to keep up with this. And I think I only did maybe two doubles a week. Um, And, um, yeah, I took more risk by being with my family and living my life. And, you know, I ate a bit more sweets this time, like not huge amounts, but I went skiing with my kids and I thought, okay, if I fall and tear something, then, Hey, I'm still living my life. But in the last, I'd say month or so before Boston training was going well, I was healthy and and fit. And so my husband had said, you know, for March break, I could take the kids for a day of skiing and, um, it was really bad weather anyways, like just kind of rainy, but I thought, well, I'm kind of close to Boston. Maybe it's time that I should kind of just be a little bit careful. So in the last month, I kind of tightened things up a bit, but it was probably my most, my favorite build, most enjoyable build and precise because I didn't do a bunch of busy work. Like Mm -hmm. I think in the past I did a lot of cross training and just kind of kept adding more and, Oh, I've got to do 30 minutes every day of stretching and preventative maintenance. Like I hardly did any of that this time. And so I think that rest day just allowed me to just to recharge and and do it again. But I, I was just wise in quality training. So when we talked in the fall, we talked in November, I believe, um, we kind of talked about, you were 40 at the time, and we kind of talked about how you felt satisfied with your career, and you were feeling ready to pass the torch to the next generation, but you wanted to see what happened. Like, if you were still running well, you wanted to give it another go. And so, you know, I left the interview thinking, she might be retiring. So what made you decide to go ahead and go for Boston? Well, I think uh, I read somewhere that Dina Castor said that she'll never say she's retiring. And I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Like, why do I have to make some announcement that I'm retiring? Because I'm I'm fine with going after age categories and going after master's records, but not just being like, no, I can't run a 228 again. It's over. So, um, yeah, I've checked the Olympic box. I was national champion two months after Rio. And so I'm super happy with my career being the second fastest Canadian, but yet I've got no good reason to stop doing this and I'm feeling good and I'm enjoying it. And I feel blessed and it's a God given talent that I think I have. So why not keep going? Like there's no, there's no reason to stop. Yeah. It was funny because um, I, I think it was runner's world or I don't know. There was an article somewhere after the race that was saying how like the next runners after does were like all these unknowns. And there was a Canadian that posted, I'm a bit miffed that we're calling Krista DeShane an unknown as she's the second <laughs> fastest marathoner in Canada and she's an Olympian. Well, you know, it's interesting because you always see the stories after the race and um, I've done broadcasting, so I know it can be difficult to know everything about everyone. Yeah. So, you know, you cover the top stories of the people that you think are going to cross the line first because, you know, you can speak to their personal life and their goals and everything. So 
yeah, no one did the research on me that, which was fine. Like, <laughs> Hey, it's, it's, it's okay to go in there as the unknown. It sometimes works out, but you know, as a Canadian and when I was in Boston, it was a, it was a big race for the Americans. And so we take pride in our country as well. So we, we know more about the Canadians that are running our race. So if some American came that we didn't really know, I, I probably wouldn't have a lot to say about that person either, but um, you can't know everything about everyone because I think, you know, with all of the elites, there's just too many to know too much about. Your husband was with you all weekend, right? Yes. So tell me about this experience for him. I mean, he has to be so proud of you. Well, the funny thing is we had such a nice weekend, like, you know, his parents came and watched the kids. So it was a weekend away. So I'm joking at the beginning how, you know, all the meals are on me because we were with the John Hancock elite program and they, they treat you like royalty. So I'm like, Hey, I've got this hotel for us and food, three meals a day that are wonderful. And so then, you know, as we had all the activities, like, you know, I was ranked, I think 18th out of the 20 elites or something. I don't know. So I'm in the back row and I'm like, just enjoying it. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. And so we're joking about him being my, my manager agent. And, and we're just having such a fun time all weekend. And he's, he's tweeting or messaging back and forth with the friends saying, you know, all these Africans and Americans are coming up to me for life advice. And they want me to, to give them counsel in terms of what to do. They're just their kids. And so I, we just laugh all weekend and then when I placed third it was like okay you've got to actually kind of do some agent jobs so people were calling and he's like booking my interviews and you know I'm doing the media thing and he's carrying my bag and yeah it was really a nice weekend for us um to, to get away and we just you know we just had fun where was he at as far as cheering when you were finishing the race well, he uh, stayed in the Fairmount Copley Hotel with the other, um, you know, coaches and agents and family members and then had access to the, the finish line. So he went out there when we were approaching and then um, he had access to get back into to the hotel and to the medical. So which was good because like I got selected for doping and, you know, they tell you bring your passport for doping. Well, there's no way I'm going to be top three. So don't worry about it. Well, sure enough, he had to go back up. And the funny thing about that is that two doping officers came to me because masters was going to be tested for doping top masters and top three. So everyone was fighting for my urine and, you know, <laughs> it made it that much more interesting. So, um, yeah, he went up and got my passport and came back and, and like dry clothes because, you know, um, we, we were just shaking. You had to get everything off you that was cold and wet and then just start to warm up. So did you, um, you know, when you were saying you wanted to be top two, three masters, I'm assuming you, you thought were thinking you might be behind Dina. Did you ever know that she dropped? Did you know that at the end or did that happen and you didn't see it happen? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I thought that Dina would be top masters. I mean, she's incredible, but I knew everyone has to get to the line healthy and fit and cross the line. So I never ruled anything out. Um, I think at one point she was running kind of to my left and a bit back, but I, I don't, I don't ever think that she passed me, but it was so hard to see people because yeah. the visibility and everyone was wearing like these, these jackets <laughs> and, you know, you, you see the pictures of the race kits that helps the media and the, um, the broadcasters do the coverage. Well, no one's wearing that because everyone kept their outer layers on. So you didn't really know who anyone was, but back 
when I was, you know, first announced that I was doing Boston, I know I thought, well, I might have a top, a shot at top masters if someone like Dina Castor doesn't show up. Mm. So then it was announced that she was doing it. It's like, oh, okay, well, but I mean, that didn't change anything about my approach to training and executing my plan. Yeah. So most everybody seemed to be wearing jackets, but you went with like arm sleeves in a tank. Why did you decide to go that route? Well, I actually did have a long sleeve on. It was like a bright purple one. So a lot of people said, oh, I'm so glad you wore that in your bright (laughs) yellow socks. You were easy to see. I kept that on until about, I think, 2K to go because I realized at one point I'm like, well, you know, I've been with Saucony and they've been a great support and, and the shirt, it was a Saucony shirt, but there's no visible logo. So I thought, well, if there's some pictures, then I, I need the Saucony logo. So I just ripped it off and threw it to the side. And I mean, I, I did feel a little bit cold after that, but I had my arm warmers and my singlet on underneath. So, you know, I was okay to finish just with that layer off at the end. Wow. That's some dedication to Saucony. That's so cool that you even, I mean, you had to be a little bit delirious with the cir- weather and circumstances and placing and all that, that you even thought to do that. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of strange how it occurred to me, but I think it's when I realized that I was maybe top 10 Yeah, that, you know, there might be someone kind of watching along here who takes a picture and, you yeah. know, it'd be no- good if I had, well now, I mean, there's all the pro, pro pictures that clearly shows me in my kit. So, um, yeah. And I said to, um, Linda, who's my, uh, Saucony person back here in Canada, I said, I think green's a good color for me because green was our kit color back in 2013 when, um, I ran my 228 to be second fastest Canadian. So it's a good color. You can't go back now. Any, any big race you have to wear green. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So of the entire experience, what would you say is most meaningful to you? Oh yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause a lot of people have said like, is this, is this the best marathon ever? And I think it's, I think it's one of my top four. So my, my top, I think is still going to be Rio because crossing that line and being able to say I was an Olympian and then running to my family and physically hugging and kissing them. Mm. I, I I'll never have that again. Like that, that's number one. Another one is when I got my Olympic standard 11 and a half months after I broke my leg in Rotterdam in 2015. That's another memorable breaking the record just behind Lanny in 2013. And then this one. So my, my top moment about, um, Boston, I probably just that whole thing about shaking and physical and emotional disbelief. And then finally actually seeing it to believe it. And with my husband there kind of shaking his shoulders, like, well, I guess so. (laughs) I don't know. I think I still need to process it. Yeah. And you never considered dropping from the race, did you? Oh, never. I felt great. Yeah. I I don't think I've ever felt as good in a marathon as, as that day. Honestly, I, I could have kept going. Like if I, if there's another K, I, I think I could have picked it up even more. Wow. And that really speaks to the whole strength thing, I bet. Yeah. And I know like Trent Stellingworth, who's a physiologist here in Canada with um, Speed River, he's out in Victoria. He created this little slide and you can see that it's on Twitter, but basically he said, you know, yeah, Krista maybe was an unknown to people, but let's take a look at her training and who she is as a person. And, and yeah, maybe I have a bit, thicker, like higher muscle mass and a bit bigger BMI in terms of, um, the other elite athletes, 
but yeah, it was the strength that got me through the race. And yeah, I know that if it was a, a nice day with good conditions that, um, those fast, um, women would be ahead of me, but, um, who I am like physically as a person and just as emotionally, I guess that worked to my advantage in Boston for the conditions that we had. Well, and that's, what's so cool about marathons and, and running like these races. I mean, yeah, you can be fit for whatever time you think you're fit for, but like that doesn't control all the other circumstances that are at play. So, I mean, it really levels out the playing field a little bit when you do have these adverse conditions. For sure. I I think someone, uh, put somewhere in social media that maybe the Africans should come to Canada so that they can train and get used to these conditions. Well, yeah. And you know, my husband and I were talking about before the race, cause we were kind of saying the conditions were probably favoring the Americans and the Canadians, you know, because a lot of people that are training over in Africa aren't, aren't running in any of this weather. So it just like completely throws them off. Right. And I think again, like those three factors of rain and wind and cold, because I think, um, it was one of the Americans in their interview that said, I'm used to running in rain, but not cold rain yeah. with the wind. So yeah, it, it definitely made the difference. Well, you are sending the message you're sending to women, women, 40 plus mothers. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's so cool to have this angle, you know, um, you're competing with these girls that are like 25, 30, even 30, I mean, you know, you know, Shalane's, is she 37 now? I don't know. But I think a lot of people get in their heads that once they hit 40, they're not going to be as fast. And that's like this like age that it's like this age that people look at. And so I think you're really inspiring a lot of us moms and women that are pushing through the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was sitting beside Sarah at the awards and, you know, we got to know each other. And at, at one point I said, how old are you? And I, I think she said she's 26. So, yeah, she is. you know, I, I'm 15 years older than her. And, and I mean, obviously it was a shock to her and, you know, there's the agents and she doesn't have a sponsor. And yeah. so we are kind of chatting and I think I can be maybe a little bit motherly to some people, yeah. but whatever. And she's like, no, like, I want to hear this. And I just said, you know, get the information, you know, write it down, process this, enjoy the moment. Don't make any decisions. Keep doing what you're doing. It's working and yeah, enjoy it. So, um, yeah, it was neat to share that moment with her, um, you know, in, in Boston. Oh, I can totally see being like a 20. I mean, I can't see being a 26 year old girl finishing second in Boston, but (laughs) I can imagine being 26 and feeling a little bit I don't know if scared's the right world word, but just intimidated. Like, what am I doing here? What's going on? And having someone like you sit next to me and give me words of encouragement and advice, I could see that being very comforting. It, yeah. And I think, you know, we've got a special bond and I know, um, you know, with all the media and the, the awards and everything, um, I saw her in the, in the foyer after we were finished our anti-doping testing and she was she was standing there with her family and I walked over to her and I said do you have a do you have a place to have a shower like do you have a room do you have clothes to oh, wear yeah because she didn't expect that so um I and she said yeah I think they're getting me a room so I said well here's my number you know call me and if you need a shower come up so I didn't hear from her because yeah they got her a room and and got her a, some clean a clean shirt to wear but, um, yeah, she definitely wasn't prepared for, for that. Like, I mean, I wasn't either, but I was staying in that hotel. 
Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like she didn't, she paid for her own entry, you know, like all these things that people that are elite don't normally do. Now, um, did you ride the bus? I know that there were like two waves of elite women riding the bus. Were you in the first wave bus, like with Shalane and everybody, or were you in the second wave bus? I was on the same bus um, as, as Shalane. Like they just gave us a bus number. Okay. Um, I think I was bus number one, but um, yeah, she, she was on my bus, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think Molly was too. I can't, I can't remember really. I just know Eric, um, the other Canadian and Reed and I, I think all three of us were on the same bus and Eric and I sat in the back. That's about all I remember about the bus. Well, I'm going to let you move on because I know you have a million other interviews to do today. <laughs> You're so kind to take this. But um, one last thing I wanted to say before we part was, you know, in one of your pre-race interviews that I read, you talked about how one of the main goals of the day is to have fun and enjoy being out there and that regardless of the outcome that's you know that's what your goals were and I think that's a perspective that elite runner non-elite runner we can all embrace you know yeah I mean I'm still kind of collecting my thoughts and I think I'm going to do another post about you know what it's been like since and I'm able to kind of reflect now and there's certainly things that you have to take seriously and be consistent with and kind of track but then there's other things you just have to let go and and realize that you control the controllables and the things that you can't control you know you let go and and you know I know there's been a lot of um uh people writing about how you should smile when you're running and yeah, when you're in pain and you're, you're, you're frowning and your, your face is just kind of tight, that doesn't help the rest of your body. So that's kind of something as well that I try to do, just kind of stay relaxed. And it, it, it sure is fun. And it looks a lot better when you look at your finish line picture and you're smiling (laughs) and you're taking it all in because yeah, we're, we're, we're blessed and it's an amazing sport that we're in. And yeah, you bet you should make it fun. I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And if you get a good payday at the end, like I did even more exciting. Yeah. What's more, I'm, I'm sure that the payday is like, Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that, but getting third place is more meaningful than that. Yeah, for sure. The interesting thing is I said at the, the media, the press conference was, um, I like being a dietitian, but this is definitely more exciting. And, <laughs> and up until this point, you know, I kind of do our budget in the household and my husband has a great job and, you know, he pays the mortgage, right? I I have my dietitian job, but I've been, you know, a stay-at-home mom and done the running thing. But, you know, up until this, it was kind of like, I probably should, you know, get a bit more dietitian work and my public speaking, I do a lot of that. So that's picked up and it's, it's been wonderful in that sense. But I know that I will likely never have a big payday like I did from Boston, but it sure is nice because, now I can kind of justify that, hey, I can keep calling this a job for a little while yeah. longer, you can... especially with the, the rate, the, the U.S. dollar compared to ours. It's uh, it's it's sweet. But, you know, we're smart with our money. We're already kind of planning um, how we're going to use it. And my husband said, if you're seriously thinking about Tokyo, we've got to bank that money now because Rio was a pretty big expense for uh, the three kids and my husband. Sure. Well, I was going to say, or you can like even just like kind of pay off a big chunk of your mortgage right <laughs> yeah yeah we'll do that as well and and you know we're we're christians believers 10 percent will go to our church and that's something that we believe strongly in so you know we're always teaching our kids about being smart with money and, and saving it and um yeah yeah it's 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 an honor we're, we're pretty excited now just because you bring up the you bring up the christian thing did you have any like moments of 
you know, God moments during the race? Uh, I do clearly remember one time where the, when the two American women passed me, I'm like, God, help me catch them. I, I do remember that part, but like, you know, I'm not floaty and all out there uh-huh. and God helps me run and it hurts. Like it's the training <laughs> is hard, like anything else, but at the end of the day, it's my faith and me as a believer that matters. That's my identity. All the other marathon mom stuff, dietitian, Boston, Sure. That's, that's fine. That's exciting. But what matters to me more is that people look past all of those things and really treat, see my true character and why I am who I am. And it's a hundred percent because of my faith. And just in parliament yesterday, um, Phil Coleman had a little speech and, and kind of gave the summary of my story. And I'm glad he said, yeah, she's a woman of faith and she's a mom. And, and that's, that's me. That's who I am. I watched that video. I think you tweeted his video and I watched it and I was like, Lindsay, I'm pregnant, so I'm a little bit overly emotional right now. And I'm like, Lindsay, don't cry. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I, I teared up too. I, I actually had to go back to work last night. Both Sarah and I oh, had to wow. work yesterday, her being a nurse and me being a dietitian. And I just happened to see it right before I was I was getting there. So I'm I'm walking the office and I'm all teary and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, excited. And I, because like when you hear someone else talk about it, you're like, Oh my goodness, he's talking about me. That that happened. And then at the very end, he looked right straight into the camera and he said, Congratulations. And mm. I was like bawling. And <laughs> yeah. Then someone came in and I had to talk about lowering their cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> well, mom of three, dietitian, like I am just so in awe of everything that you've done and you're inspiring so many of us. And I'm really honored and thankful that I, you know, in some small way kind of know you. So thank you for this. Thank you. Always fun to talk to you. It's I really like it's more conversational and relaxed. Oh, thank so you. So you're, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you, Krista. Well, you yeah. enjoy the rest of the media frenzy and okay. enjoy the time with your family as well. Yes, I, I need to get out of my pajamas because yeah. the next interview involves a camera and... Uh, <laughs> I need to kind of get ready here. So get thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Krista. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Krista, for coming back on the show and sharing a little bit of time with us. I know the listeners are going to be so happy to have heard your story and hear an interview from you so quickly after the Boston Marathon and your amazing third place finish. You guys can follow Krista over on social media. On Instagram, she's just Krista Duchesne. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-D-U-C-H-E-N-E. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. All right, guys, make sure you are also part of our Facebook group where all the inside information goes down and we have a lot of fun over there. Just go to Facebook. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine group. And that's just a place where we can get to know each other better. People oftentimes give me suggestions for the show and it's just a tight knit, great community. All right, everybody. We'll have a great day and Hey, I'll see you again tomorrow on Friday for the regular Friday episode. Happy Boston marathon week guys. I know everybody's probably still just as excited as I am. Congratulations to all the runners. Congratulations to Krista. And I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.